Hey guys, this is Megan James, and uh, thanks for joining us again on the Megan James Show. So, some of you might be subscribers, some of you might be tuning in for the first time. Um, either way, we welcome you today. We're happy to hang out with you, and we're so glad to get to share with you. So, today is a unique day for us. I'm actually interviewing my wife, Laura James. Hey guys. So I noticed that when I take polls from my audience, they're usually pretty honest about things. And um, pretty much everyone um, has already said that they would like a podcast about relationships. And I did one uh, discussing the differences between getting from single to in a relationship and, and some of the subconscious beliefs that we have behind that. That's kind of holding us back, maybe some limiting beliefs. But people wanted more um, relationship advice and and marriage advice. So we're going to do the best we can today. And um, this is totally unscripted, so I don't know what's going to come out of Laura's mouth. <laughs> we haven't really talked about it. Um, so I'm just going to jump right in. Um, so as you guys already know, I'm Megan. This is Laura. Um, I'm going to start off by saying, how are you today, Laura? I'm good. Enjoying my day off. <laughs> right. Okay. So, um, how long have we been together now? Dating or married? Dating. A little over four years. Okay. And, um, well, this one's going to be harder because we have a, a secret that the world doesn't really know about, <laughs> but how long have we been married? You can tell them both. <laughs> Legally, uh, Two years. But That's when we eloped. Go, go on by our wedding date, a uh, year, almost and a half. Okay. Um, so, I guess, how would, how did we meet? Um, we met on a dating app. What was the name of that app? Plenty of Fish. <laughs> now, how many successful ventures did you have on this dating app before? None. None. <laughs> I can say to you guys that I was on this dating app as well for quite some time, and um, I had no successful relationships on it, uh, but I didn't let that discourage me. I still kept putting myself out there in hopes of, of meeting someone awesome, and in my case, it actually worked out. Um, so, Laura, what what were some things, one, two, or three, that, that you saw when we originally started dating that when you thought about them, you're like, wow, this, this is different from my other relationships. Like this could be better. Was there anything that stuck out in particular compared to everything else? You're real. Okay. And when you talk about real, do you mean like authentic? Yeah. You're very authentic, very honest and bold and not afraid to be who you were. Okay. And compared to other relationships, why was that an attractive quality to you? Because I dated people who were kind of in the closet, but not really. Okay. More of, they knew what they wanted, but didn't at the same time. Okay, so you wanted somebody who was more sure of themselves. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, was there a, a turning point in the relationship where you realized that I was not going to hurt you? Or was there a time when you just suddenly, the trust was there, like you felt it? Yeah, that was, God, it was about six months when I figured it out. It was before six months, actually. Was it like a specific act? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it was a bad allergic reaction I was having when we went over to a friend's house. 
and I knew you took care of me the entire night, got me through the entire reaction, and was good with me the whole next day. And I knew I was like, well, this one will actually take care of me <laughs> if I'm hurting. <laughs> but these are these. The reason why I'm I'm going over this now is because um, many of you are not placing enough emphasis on the things that matter to you. So these are Laura's core values, whether she's said them out loud before or not, but these are things that she values in relationship and things that she subconsciously looked for. So when these values were seen in her partner, it made her trust them. It, it automatically brought us closer together. So the best way to succeed in the relationship you have or find somebody to get into a relationship with is to find somebody who has these qualities and express to them how important they are to you. Um, okay, so uh, I'll uh, well, I'll ask it. So, um, <laughs> did you have a lot of relationships before, and how do you define relationships? Um, I kind of define relationships as I've dated for at least a year. Okay. Or six months kind of thing. So before you, I had two. Dated other people, but never like, I never considered it a relationship. A serious one. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's fair. Um, so I dated a lot of um, people probably before you. Um, just trying to find myself because as she knows, I was pretty late coming out of the closet. I came out in 2013, 2014, 2014. 2014. Yeah. yeah. So I was 23 years old. And um, obviously a late bloomer. It wasn't because I was scared to come out of the closet. I actually didn't give myself time to experiment. Uh, in high school or college, I'd always dated men. I hated every second of it with every <laughs> single relationship. And I really just thought that I hadn't found the right guy. And I just kept trying to go on to another guy, date another guy. It never worked out. I was always best friends with them, but I could never build anything intimate with them. And... Um, it took going through an absolute horrific relationship and um, realized what a train wreck it was and decided to get out of my shell and actually try something different. And it was one of those like, well, what do you know? I'm gay. I should have tried this years ago. <laughs> but if I had, I probably wouldn't have found my wife. So I'm totally pleased with the timing of everything. So don't get discouraged if it's taking a while. If you haven't found the person and you're 24 or you're 28 or you're almost 30, it doesn't matter. You're finding yourself and you're finding your person in your own time. It's it's taking this long for a reason. Um, so off of that, uh, some of you do know, some of you don't know, I have a background in law enforcement. And uh, what that means is a lot of pressure on your partner. So whether you're in a relationship, you live with them, you're married to them, it's going to put a lot of strain on your relationship. And um, I know Laura must have felt this, although she was very, very good at um, keeping that to herself and, and didn't really, you know, vent about it to me much. Um, I actually worked night shift, which means I went in at around 3 p.m. And I got off, well, supposed to get off at around 2 a.m., but many times we stayed over for hours. So, Laura, how did you deal with Many times not knowing if I was safe when I didn't come home. How did you deal with not seeing me? I wasn't in bed when you got in bed, and many times I was still in bed when you got up. How did you deal with these these schedule changes? It was definitely hard, but at the end of the day, I knew that 
as long as you were home, I was okay. As long as I heard you come through the door, I was okay. It was... It took a lot and definitely a lot of talks with my best friend yeah, to get me through some nights that I hadn't heard from you since you had gone in. Yep. And many times that happens um, during that shift that we would go in and there would immediately be a shooting, a homicide, or, um, you know, just something would pop off. And that was very regular. And in those situations, you know, you can't have your cell phone out um, or anything like that. There's there's a lot of restrictions. So there's many times when I had no contact with her until the, around the time I was supposed to get off work. Um, so she had to deal with that. And I think the biggest um, thing that we, we did was when I was off or in the time before I went in, if she was off, we just made sure that um, we were present with each other. And that didn't start, I should say, until the end of my career in law enforcement. So um, uh, the last year, it was a really bad year for me. Uh, I went through a lot. I was suffering from depression, um, hostility. I was angry a lot. I had some drinking issues. I wasn't dealing with any of my emotions. And I absolutely hated my career. Um, And I didn't know what to do because I had sunk my identity into this career. And so when I found it to be something, I I thought it was one thing and it turned out to be something entirely different. I didn't know what to do. And um, I didn't know how to talk about it with Laura because the job was my life. And so our, our marriage was, it wasn't rocky, but it was difficult that year. It was, I didn't know how to talk. Yep. There's a lot of pressure on you, I'm sure. Because I didn't know how to talk about my thoughts or my feelings, anything. And so I just closed up and she didn't know if I was mad at her. And I hate that I put her through that, but we've learned a lot from it. So out of this came my learning to be more present. I started, you know, doing more mindful activities, mindfulness, uh, meditations, and I've been able to connect more. I went to therapy and um, I learned how to communicate my thoughts and feelings with my wife and saved my venting about work until I got to therapy. So that's been a lifesaver for me. Um, Has there been anything that, that you've done that maybe I haven't recognized you for that you can think of? No. No? Not really. No. Okay. Hey everybody, I hope you're enjoying the Megan James show. I apologize for the interruption, but I really just wanted to take this time to talk to you about something important. Did you know that you can actually get paid just for listening to this podcast? I know it sounds insane, but it's true. We just discovered this free new app called PodCoin, and it literally pays you to listen to podcasts. So here's how it works. You listen to podcasts and you earn PodCoin while you listen. Then you turn that PodCoin in for gift cards at places like Amazon or Starbucks. Or if you're a good, generous person, you can even donate those PodCoins to charity. The more you listen, the more you earn. So here's what you do. Download the app right now on iPhone or Android. And I have a special code for you today. Simply use our code Megan James, and you'll get 300 PodCoin just for signing up. And if you listen to enough of us on here, then you can get a cappuccino at Starbucks or an awesome gift card on us. 
So go ahead and go listen to the podcast or virtually any podcast on PodCoin and sign up with the code Megan James. I swear it'll change the way you listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening. And here's the rest of our show. Um, so in your opinion, what are, what are some things that I've done that you think have made the marriage better? Because I don't know. I don't, I'm not going to be able to recognize. Taking responsibility for you being depressed and going to therapy. Because I couldn't help you where you were at. Right. There was nothing I could say. I hadn't been through any of it. So someone who had or had better had gone to school for and you know how to talk to you about it was better than me just guessing. Yeah. I agree. Um has there been anything like um before that time? Has there been any cuz I we should go into the five love languages. So, if you guys haven't read the book, Five Love Languages is awesome. It's written by Gary Chapman. And uh, in it, it just discusses that each person has a love language, and you can have two or more. But typically, the first one's words of affirmation. Second is acts of service. The third is receiving gifts. The fourth is quality time. And the fifth is physical touch. So, your love language may differ from your partner's. So, say mine is... Acts of service. Laura's might be physical touch. So even though I feel love when somebody would present an act of service, like clean the house or, I don't know, um, take the trash out, just something like that. I may do those acts expecting her to be impressed or uh, love me more or something like that because I'm presenting her with this this way that I feel loved. But because she feels loved by physical touch... If I'm not giving her back rubs or holding her hand in public, she may not feel loved. So you have to be cognizant of your partner's love language. How do they feel loved versus how do you feel loved? And start showing them affection and love in the way that they want it, they desire it. So for us, we had to kind of determine each other's love language. And um, for me, I keep this folder on my phone. It's called Ideas for Quality Time. And it goes by the season, uh, goes by weather, um, just ideas that we can do when we have a day off, just things that we can do together to be present together. And it keeps me aware of things I can do, even um, if we're not off, acts of service that I can do for her, um, adventure locations. And um, I have goals for us too, like relationship goals, where we want to be in five years, if, you know, if we want to have kids or we want to move or travel, just things like that to, to keep our marriage on our minds. Because so many times we get obsessed with goals in the fitness world and in eating and dieting and house market and, you know, all this stuff, but we do not set goals for our marriage. And it's vital to do that to keep it alive. Where do you want to be with your marriage? It could be something small. It could be more acts of intimacy each week. It could be more hangout sessions, more date nights, kids. I don't know. But you guys need to set your goals and keep to them. Um, so, yeah, I think uh, one of the things that we figured out together as a whole is how we have stopped fighting before it started. Like, how, how in your opinion, how do you think we stopped the fight before it got started, Laura? 
because we don't we don't ever fight we've only fought like a couple of times early on in our marriage and it was like when I say fight I don't mean like physical fight I mean like (laughs) arguing we don't we don't argue because we recognize each other's side but how do we stop it before it starts we stop being passive aggressive right and we actually communicate yeah so I think communication has been huge for us um the second that we encounter that barrier where I'm like, whoa, she sees something entirely different from me and I really want to assert my rightness and all of my rightness because I'm always right. Not really. Um, <laughs> I actually have to stop and think through a different lens. I have to try to see it through Laura's eyes. What is she seeing that I'm not? And then I'll ask her, okay, what are you seeing that I'm not? Because this is how I'm seeing it, but I could be not necessarily wrong, but it's just the way the other person is seeing it, a different perspective. So it's it's being cognizant that the person you're with isn't always going to see things your way. And you can't fight about it. You can't argue about that. There's no right or wrong in certain situations. It's just a different way of, of perspective. So I think that's that's been uh, a huge thing for us. And um, I, I think one of the things that's important to talk about is when you first start out in a serious relationship, it's almost like you're a new first-time homeowner. Um, you move in with the understanding that there's going to be work to do, uh, especially when you get a foreclosure. For some reason, you start expecting stupid shit, like your grass will just be growing in thick and green, you know, and, and you're going to have flower beds that are just going to be blooming because obviously the flowers are already planted before you move in. And, you know, we all have these subconscious expectations that we don't even realize unless we write them down and become aware of our thoughts and conclude whether or not they're even reasonable. Because unless we do that, that's, you know, our thoughts dictate our results. And if we're not cognizant of what our thoughts are, then we're not going to be able to control the results. So I know for us, you know, we moved into our home, which was a foreclosure, just naturally expecting everything to be right, like our HVAC system, which our inspector told us was right, actually blew when we moved in in July. So we were expecting our grass to grow in green, and there's weeds everywhere. You know, relationships are the same way you can't just expect things to grow in the way you expect them to without tending to them so I think that's a big part um you know we go into relationships expecting to take care of each other in sickness and health and you do things like occasionally fill up the other's gas tanks as display of loves and you know we give services to our partner but we don't expect certain other things and I think a you know part of that is mental health you know Probably Laura wasn't expecting me to have a quarter-life crisis and and lose my identity halfway through our marriage. It probably took her off guard. And um, she dealt with it better than than anybody I'd ever known, better than I could ever expect it. And it's just finding somebody who can be open-minded. And I think explaining your expectations, not having expectations would be awesome. Going over your goals together, where you want to be in five years. You don't have to do it immediately upon setting out, but make sure you're on the same page, or at least you can be on the same page, and you know after knowing each other some time. So, I think a big part of why people fight is because their expectations aren't matching. You know, you expect your loved one to pick up toilet paper and they don't, you get pissed, or you expect your loved one to do the dishes and when they don't, you get mad when you come home. There's dishes in the sink. But if you're not communicating that you have an expected role of that person, then how are they supposed to know? And honestly, you shouldn't have expected roles in your marriage. For instance, me and Laura have the same roles. You know, 
there's not one of us that does the dishes more than the other. There's not one of us that vacuums more. I mean, we try to keep everything equal, but if, if one person does one activity more, it's not a big deal because we're both committed to this house, to this relationship, to our dogs, and eventually our kids. It's just going to equal out in the end. We don't keep track. We're not keeping a tally of who's doing more. So I think that's a big part of keeping things into perspective because life is going to throw enough shit at you. You need to kind of keep your marriage in check. You need to not focus so much on the little things that in reality, they don't matter. And for me, that was hard because I'm so freaking OCD, guys. I mean, yes. once... <laughs> <laughs> one one thing is out of place. If if one little picture is hanging crooked, it'll drive me nuts for days. Mm-hmm. And my <laughs> wife knows that I can't deal with clutter. So for me, it was really hard living with people before, even just roommates, because I had expectations that they were going to be clean. And if they weren't, it drove me crazy. But I didn't know how to address that. So just kind of going over what you're underlying expectations are with your partner can go a long way um you know we talked about the first responder thing but what i i should have said was implementing time together so you know you have that that comp day that you have to take laura would specifically wait until my day off came and take her comp day that day so that we could schedule our time together and she always made a habit of even when I came home at four o'clock in the morning, she kissed me before we went to bed. Mm-hmm. Always. No matter if we went to bed angry, <laughs> a little bit of salty or, or whatever the case was, <laughs> even if it wasn't obviously to each other, if we just had a bad day, she made sure she kissed me goodnight. And so that was, that was always a big thing for us. So with that, you know, I'm, I'm going to sum up the podcast by just saying some stuff that's helped me. Um, as we talked about therapy just not, not even with just mental health, but I even go and I talk about my relationship with Laura and, um, it just, even though we don't, we don't have any, um, you know, major issues or anything like that. We, it's a relationship. It's a marriage. It's good to get an outside perspective on things to make sure that I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing and that we're on the right track to, you know, later have kids and, and we're doing things that we should be doing now. We're being kind of proactive. So I do definitely recommend going to a therapist. No matter if you think you have problems or not, it can always help your relationship. And um, they actually have some really good ideas for keeping things in check. Uh, Another thing that's helped for me is self-growth through books. You know, reading the five love languages. There's another book called True Love, A Practice for Awakening the Heart. Um, Any of Rachel Hollis's book, Girl, Wash Your Face or Girl, Stop Apologizing. Those are great. Uh, Listening to podcasts. Actually, Rachel Hollis and her husband, Dave, do a relationship podcast. That is excellent. You guys should check that out if that's that's some more information that you'd like. Um, I got into studying more psychology. That's helped, um, especially like cognitive behavioral stuff. And just being able to open up about my feelings and my thoughts to my wife has, has really aided our relationship. Um, and when you guys are, are like, well this isn't helpful at all. These are just, you know, two lesbians going over their marriage. (laughs) You should realize that whether you're gay, straight, single, or confused, it doesn't matter. A gay relationship has the same issues and benefits as heterosexual relationships. So our advice can work regardless of your orientation. We can't promise it'll work for anyone, but this is just what's helped us. And it just might help you too. So we're hoping that you're going to be open-minded and um, take some of what we said to heart. You know, if you think some of it could help you, try it out. 
And um, as always, if you guys have any questions, please let us know. Because I always like bonding with my audience. Um, you guys know how to find us. We're uh, legacy-lifestyle.com. Our contact information is on there. We've got an Instagram, of course, because who doesn't have an Instagram? <laughs> so it's legacy underscore lifestyle underscore coaching. So legacy lifestyle coaching. Find us on there. And uh, we'd love to talk to you. Anything you'd like to say, Laura? No, just thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. I mean, I know it was it was a heavy it was commute. A, it was a really long commute, like the <laughs> 10 steps from the living room. <laughs> We're sitting in uh, the office right now at, at my quote-unquote studio. So, um, guys, it's been a pleasure sharing with you, and I hope we brought you some, some information today that's helped. And if you think of anything else, any other questions, hit us up. Let us know. It's been a blessing sharing with you. Have a great day, guys.